Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Hey, we ain't playing no games with this one. Oh, hey. And you're listening to the Collabcast, a podcast about the creative life from an Asian American perspective. I'm your host, Marvin Yue, and thank you so much for checking back in with us on the Collabcast. I know it's been a while since our last episode, but we're here today to talk about movies, specifically the movies that are coming out this fall and early next year, especially because um, earlier last month I had the chance to go to TIFF, the Toronto International Film Festival, to catch a bunch of movies. Um, and to help me discuss the movies that we saw at TIFF, um, I have two very special guests. So yeah, let's welcome our guests. We have Gretel Trong, who is the impact producer for the movie Just Mercy, which world premiered at TIFF. Um, it's the new movie starring Michael B. Jordan, directed by Destin Daniel Cretton. And uh, we'll be talking to her about this film, as well as the other stuff that she saw at Toronto. And also Christina Jang. Um, who is a director of programming at UCLA, who is also one of the leads of the upcoming Asian American Film Festival at UCLA coming up next March. Welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, let's um, let's get into it. Uh, this was both of yours first Toronto. Yeah, first TIFF. First time at the festival, first time in Toronto, first time <laughs> first in Canada. First time in Canada, too. Yeah, same, wow. same. And now I really want to go back, so shout out to Canada. Yeah, whoop, whoop. And yeah, and, you know, both of you have been in entertainment for a long time. Uh, actually, why don't you share with the audience your background so they, they know who you are, what you do? Yeah. Hi, uh, this is Gretel Trung. Uh, I am a new Angelino as of uh, two months ago, uh, which is exciting, but I spent the last seven years um, in New York and I've worked in media, communications, content production um, for forever, all the way you know, back through college. I grew up in Virginia, just outside of Washington, D.C., um, and uh, my dad is a Vietnamese refugee um, and grew up in a, in a large population of Vietnamese um, in the Northern Virginia area, went to the University of Virginia, and then worked for um, a media production house um, in D.C., doing a lot of D.C. political um, nonpartisan media and in connections uh, covering the 2008 election, the 2012 election, and then moved to New York um, and worked on uh, more global campaigns doing, again, communications, content production, um, and uh, got to meet the uh, Nobel Peace Prize winner uh, Malala and worked on her um, campaign around girls' education in particular around uh, the documentary He Made Me Malala um, and used that as a springboard um, to engage countries all around the world um, in the campaign for girls' education and the right to education, um, but working with uh, Fox Searchlight, participant media, um, and really using the film as a center point to that. Um, and that was probably the first really big campaign um, and using a film that I worked on as an impact producer. Um, and now um, in working, uh, just moved to LA uh, to work uh, as director of communications for Represent Justice, which is the name of the impact campaign for uh, the film Just Mercy, starring Michael B. Jordan, Jamie Foxx, and Brie Larson about Brian Stevenson, um, who wrote the book uh, Just Mercy as well. So we'll get into that later. <laughs> uh, but uh, excited uh, to be here. And thank you so much, uh, Marvin. I've listened to the pod uh, quite <laughs> a bit. Now, yes. no. so You've been waiting for not... the episode. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I'm so excited to, to be here. Wow. And Christina. That is a tough intro to follow up <laughs> uh, with, but hi, I'm Christina Jing, and um, I was born in LA, but I grew up in 
in the South, Atlanta. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> and um, I got my start interning and as a PA for Mnet America, which is um, Korea's production company based in LA, um, centered around like Asian American culture and K-pop topics. After a couple of years of producing and developing um, shorts there, I transferred over to CJ Entertainment, handling the marketing and distribution for the companies, Korean films. And um, yeah, after about like a couple of years at CJ, I decided to get my MBA. So now I am a student at UCLA Anderson School of Management. And also while I'm studying, I um, am the director of programming at UCLA's um, film series. At, located at the UCLA Film School, and it's an exciting opportunity. I'm the first woman of color to be in this position, and I really am excited about bringing on more minority-driven content as well as representing women in entertainment. And so, yeah, thank you so much for having me, Marvin. Yeah, it's awesome. And Collaboration obviously has a connection with MN America. We were part of their, was it the original slate of programs? Back when MN America was a TV series. Yeah. Or TV um, channel. Right? We we worked a collaboration, I think, back in like 2012. Yeah. Just for a little bit. Yeah. A while ago. I remember <laughs> yeah. because we were really excited about just being on TV. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And what I love about the film festival circuit is you get to meet a lot of, especially in like the mainstream ones where, you know, people of color tend to be, I mean, it's getting better, but we're still in the margins. Um, just meeting fellow, even fellow Asians in these festivals is, is, is huge. And, um, what was awesome is at TIFF was the first time I actually met Gretel and Christina, um, even though we work in similar circles. So <laughs> it was it was really great to, you know, meet y'all there. And I'm happy that you, you happen to be in L.A. at this time so we can chat about the festival. Um, so Welcome to L.A., by the way. Thank you. <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't realize it was so fresh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I guess let, let's just jump into it. Uh, it's been a month since the festival. Um we're going to be touching specifically on the movies that have an Asian or Asian American connection, um, because that is our brand and flavor for this podcast. And since the festival, two of the movies that we're all really excited about have come out and have kind of killed it. Um, so we're going to touch briefly on those two before moving on to other movies that we're excited about that we think you should check out as well. So let's start with Hustlers, the Jennifer Lopez, Constance Wu movie that um, came out like the week after TIFF mm-hmm. and just like blew the blocks off wide open. Um, it blew me right open. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. So were you two able to catch this at the festival or were you able to catch it later I did on? not see it at the festival, but I did see the rush line for it at the festival and was like, I can't make it. Um, <laughs> but really wanted to. Um, but uh Made sure I went and saw it the weekend I got back after the weekend that it opened. Um, so that was there to support, but also <laughs> could not wait to see this film. Yeah, same. I saw it literally like a couple of days after I got back from TIFF. Because I, again, like Gretel, I saw the line, I said, hell no. And then I just, <laughs> and then I came back to LA and I supported domestically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, um, a lot has been said about this being Jennifer Lopez's, um, I guess, come back to film and you kind of forget sometimes or and I kind of did, too, that for a long time, she was like one of the biggest movie stars and like widely considered like really good actress. 
I would right. like to say that I have been always Team J Lo. <laughs> I don't think she's ever really disappeared for me. I saw I went to see Second Act in the theaters, uh, you know, earlier this year. Um, so I, you know, I think for her, the like quote unquote big movie star moment. I mean, she's been on TV. She has like three or four different shows on TV right now. Um, and obviously still touring, had a Vegas residency. Um, so I think in terms of like, she's just shown a different side of her. And I think that's uh, in part the director and just the, you know, being able to have this film made, you know, is part of that. But at the same time, I she's never really disappeared. Like she's always been really huge. But if you think about and this is me coming from a J-Lo fan's perspective. Right. Like, I love J-Lo. She's my girl. But if you think about some of the movie roles that she was in, like, yes, it was a great movie and she did a great job. But I, there's something about this role in Hustlers that is, like, made for her. It's really, like, Jenny from the block, but, like, in a movie. Like, so I definitely feel like this is something that is a little bit different. It's It's, like, so fading for her. Yeah, it was really great to see her. And it was also really great to see another, you know, a starring role for Constance Wu. Yeah, and um, I think that's yeah. what sometimes I've gotten lost is like mm-hmm. this movie centers <laughs> on her. And you see those scenes with J-Lo are from Constance's character's perspective. And that bit of awe, the bit of um, majestic quality to J-Lo's performance, I think also then helped is catered on what Constance is able to do and the the wide-eyed naivete <laughs> that then comes a, a much deeper friendship. Um, and I think that was, you know, quite memorable, especially to, I think, even later in the film um, when they have a lot of big issues that come up that they must, uh, <laughs> you know, get over, um, you know, no, with no spoilers. Um, and, and being able to see that back and forth was great. Yeah, it was, uh, it's, it's always great to see another, like, girl crime movie <laughs> but I, mean, I don't know if you've read like yeah. the long piece about what it took to even get this uh <laughs> piece made to even have a female director and how dedicated for lauren i think forgive me for mm-hmm. uh forgetting uh was dedicated to making it and, and make telling it from her vision um and you know having to create a sizzle reel and like all these test shots and all this stuff just to even have the studio approve it um i think is a you know it, it was worth all of that hard work but also i think too in terms of um, seeing it from a perspective where the drive is from a female perspective um, was really cool to see. Yeah. I know she wasn't the first director yeah. attached yep. to it. I, I can't remember the other director's name right now off the top of my head, but mm. I, it kind of makes me curious like what that would have looked like had someone else directed it. I mean, and someone else being like a guy. Yeah. Um, it like, I, I'm sure, I mean, because there's such an amazing cast like in story, I'm pretty sure it wouldn't have been bad, but it kind of I kind of want to see what that would have looked like. Because for me, Hustlers, it was like flawless. Like the way the style of the movie and like just the way everything kind of flowed together. Like it was for me, like literally it didn't miss a beat. So (laughs) I'm just wondering what that other version would have been like. Speaking of the beat, though, the music was on point. I think as somebody who grew up um, (laughs) as a very uh, young adult in the uh, 2008 era, like that was really amazing um for yeah sure. janet jackson's i miss you much at the end credit <laughs> i was like getting it on <laughs> and there's that one very like late aughts uh cameo that everyone got got uh excited about in the uh, theater I was in. Uh-huh. 
Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. I think like, but you, that cameo was preceded by um, the Britney Spears song "Inside <laughs> uh, the Large SUV" um, into the. We all know it's Usher. It's online. <laughs> it's Spoiler on the tweets. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Usher scene, which was just kind of like it really, you know, I obviously nostalgia is very in right now, and that was like very. I was like dancing in my seat, like this was yeah. very into it. <laughs> the crowd went wild. The minute he came on, like everybody yeah. was like clapping and laughing. Yeah. And um, I guess my main thing is as someone who like, you know, follows Asian American representation in media that I wish the film did a little bit more was kind of tell a more Asian American story, especially since the main character was. Um, I don't know if she was Cambodian American in the movie, but the person that the film is the article is based on is Cambodian American who has history with like, you know her family escaping the Khmer Rouge and all that stuff. And, you know, that might have added too much more drama to the story or too much complication to, you know, have to explain all that. But part of me was wishing um, that there was at least a little more acknowledgement of that. Um, But I guess that's what you kind of lose when you're trying to adapt, like, a story with a lot of nuance, right? Yeah, I mean, I think think it would have been, like, a whole different movie if had they added more of the Asian American elements in there. Yeah. Um I think that the, the before Constance was cast, I think they were considering somebody else. I I can't remember if it was like Anne Hath not Anne Hathaway. It was uh <laughs> oh, no. Dakota Sorry, Dakota Dakota Johnson from oh. Fifty Shades of Grey. So they were gonna cast her. So I think like it's a it's it's kinda sad, but it's a win <laughs> that even Constance Wu got it. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, yeah, I I think it would have been a really different story as well had they added more of the Asian American theme. I guess, but that's like a context of like me knowing a little bit more about the original story and also just, you know, what I look for in, in, a, in a movie starring an Asian American. But overall, solid film did really well. A lot of fun. And um, hopefully it'll lead to more, more work for Constance, more work for JLo and more. I mean, I think yeah. everybody said like Oscar buzz, like we are obviously have a couple more months before that. So I think I'm really curious to know how those folks uh, shake out. Yeah. Speaking Oscar buzz, the other big movie that came out that everyone's talking about um, and not everyone has seen. So the three of us, we're like in a very elite crew right here having <laughs> watched this film is um, Bong Joon-ho's new movie, Parasite, um, which it had a limited opening this past weekend and just sold out everywhere, mm-hmm. which like just we doesn't really like, happen. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we were all in packed theaters, I guess. <laughs> Because it was, I mean, like, yeah, almost every theater that it was in was sold out. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw this also at the Ryerson. So it was a huge, I don't know how many people, like, probably at least a thousand people mm-hmm, in that mm-hmm. theater. Um, and I remember just everyone, everyone just so sucked into this film. Christine, I know you, you saw it way before the rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> um, I saw it at a press screening, like, two months before it released. And for me, it was, I, I used to work at CJ. And so for me, like, these subtitled movies especially when the dialogue is in a language I completely understand and the themes are things I understand. I was like, when I went into the press room and everybody was non-Asian, I was kind of like, oh, it kind of took me by surprise a little bit just to be like, how are they going to watch this and how are they going to react? But it was, they were like elated and they were so, they were enjoying it so much and that I just kind of like had to take three steps back just to be like, wow, this film really like transcends all of that. Like, they were really engaged and maybe because the director himself is like such a well-known name, but it was like the movie was amazing as well, but the audience reaction was like just as great. I, I was really proud of it. Yeah. 
Um, and where, where I, did you see it? I saw it at Arclight, which now makes me a real Angelino because I was like, I went to Arclight Hollywood. <laughs> um, and again, it was a really packed theater this last weekend. Went with a bunch of friends um, so much more so that we couldn't even all sit together because the, oh. the theater was so packed. Um, and yeah, it was like a lot of laughter. And then I say it's a dark comedy, but it's a comedy that turns really dark uh, <laughs> is the way I would phrase it. Um, but I think too, like, Bong is such a huge character um, in terms of being like a constant eye in the film. I think you can see like his, you know, he's a very auteuristic uh, <laughs> type of uh, directorship. And so I think that was great. But also I think too, in terms of having a whole theater read subtitles, but I think so much also is like, you don't even need to know what they're saying to understand it, which is really great. Yeah. I remember because um, he, he was at the the screening I was at and he's just comes off as the nicest guy. Like, you know, some artists are kind of very aloof and yeah. very, like, into their work. Um, you can tell he's really into it, but he's also very – he's so gracious. There was – um, and, you know, we've all been to film festivals. Like, the Q&As are always hit or miss. You know, there's always one or two that are like, eh. But he's had a great press tour, which I also yeah. say, like, I think that's one thing about the industry that I don't think is going away, that, like, a good press tour can really make or break a film. And I think this is one where it's, like – the buzz and just like his graciousness and sharing information, his yeah. thought process <laughs> has really been like, oh, I want to see, I want to know more. I want to like dive into that. Yeah. I mean, even so, um, the q and I was at, there was a lady who asked him to explain the ending to her. <laughs> and she gave she her asked own, him to explain the ending? Well, she, she, she gave her interpretation to ask him if she was correct. And she, he, uh, he just went, that could be it. That might, I never thought of that, but that might be it. <laughs> and it was just very like, Everyone else in the theater wanted to like, was like groaning, but he was like very engaged and very mm -hmm. gracious. And I thought that was really like, that just made me like love him more. So, mm -hmm. also, like, just, I mean, just for me having worked in entertainment for a while, it's, um, on a CJ front, it's, it's very, I'm very proud. Like, now when I say, oh, I used to work at CJ Entertainment, I would have to like explain, oh, you know, it's one of Korea's biggest entertainment companies. Uh, we had an office based in LA, blah, blah, blah. But now when I say, oh, I used to work at CJ Entertainment, they're like, oh my God, I love Parasite. <laughs> like, it's kind of a win, mm -hmm. like, just for people to like really know like Asian cinema and like yeah. Asian companies. Um, so, like, just from like a working person's perspective like that's that's awesome and i'm really happy that he didn't really like change like the create the film is very korean but it still resonates with people here like he didn't really change anything so here and venice and yeah all other places yeah yeah obviously won the palm door um in, at, at the at can oh sorry can, can yes. yeah and um it won it they didn't win audience choice that went to jojo rabbit but it's doing really well. I think it's still sold out everywhere, right? Like everyone's trying to watch this film. And like you said, having this type of film, which is like a foreign film with subtitles be this big, like I haven't seen it. I mean, last year with Roma, I guess that was, that was big too. But for me, it was, it reminded me of like when everyone was into Crossing Tiger, Hidden Dragon, right? And the same, same way, like I would go in that movie, I would be able to understand everything, but to see everyone else, like just, equally sucked in yeah you do feel kind of like yeah duh a great movie is a great movie right yeah um even americans who are stereotypically not for this type of stuff mm -hmm. is are really into it um and i think it's i don't know I, I think for me personally it would be awesome to see this movie as a best picture nom at the oscars and i think it, it definitely barring you know 
racism or whatever, it definitely has a really good shot because it's universally loved. Yeah. I think it's only, there's only one negative review on Rotten Tomatoes by like a conservative paper. So I would really love for this podcast to turn into let's talk about Parasite. <laughs> but seeing as like 99% of the, <laughs> the country still has not seen the movie. It I know. <laughs> like all the things I want to talk about. Yeah, uh, I can't really. <laughs> yeah, we're like, we're like holding our breath right now, <laughs> literally. I would definitely love to have you all back, so we can. T- or we could just go grab drinks after this yeah, and talk about yeah. the movie. Um, needless to say, I feel like we we talked a lot about Parasite, but not about Parasite. Um, but I think we all agree that it's a movie everyone should see, especially in today's time. It's one of those movies where it just it sinks its hooks into you, your brain, and you're thinking about it. Even weeks and months after oh, the yeah, movie. Oh, yeah, still processing, right? and it's been still almost scared. a week. Yeah, still <laughs> um, thinking about uh, how nice that house was. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. Th- thinking about dirty toilets. Mm. Thinking about, but I think also, like, the deliciousness of the acting mm. in it. I think that's also something is, like, and that's some are things that will surprise you of, like, when turns happen, like, how how that just comes across and nuance and in in some of the great performances yeah i mean it's crazy because like the themes of like you know the gap between upper class middle class lower class is so prevalent in korea and a lot of there's a lot of korean movies that touch on that topic just because it's such a big one but i don't know parasite did it so well like it's it didn't (laughs) it's not getting old like it's it was done so tastefully well yeah and I guess I'll leave you all with this, dear listeners. Um, if you're worried that it's a scary movie, it's not. It's not a it horror is. movie. <laughs> it is so scary. <laughs> I'd I'd say it's more of like a a very intense like thriller. Um, I don't know. What do you did you think? It, did you think? I, it I I would say like I can't say anything without giving away spoilers. Right. <laughs> not scary. <laughs> no spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> It is a very stressful movie, but also very funny. Yes. Yeah, you'll be laughing the entire time. Totally. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Stressful is a good word. Stressful, stressful yeah. is the best it's word to describe stressful. it. Yeah. Everyone was on the edge of their seats yes. the entire time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, you will not be disappointed if you mm-hmm. watch this movie. Um, speaking of class, I guess we'll move into now uh, movies that will be coming out soon or within the next year. But I guess yeah, let's just um, since we have Gretel here to talk about. Just Mercy. Well, well, let's talk about that. Um, it's a, I guess it's kind of a movie about class. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, at, at least justice and like, you know, but how equitable justice. justice is, exactly. Right? Yeah. And how justice is not necessarily um, either <laughs> equitable or fair um, based on uh, class, race, position in society, education level, right. all of those things. <laughs> so Just Mercy is the story of Brian Stevenson based on his memoir. Um, Michael B. Jordan plays Brian Stevenson. Um, it's directed by Destin, Destin Daniel Cretton, which is the Asian American link here, um, who is um, like I won't I want to say up and coming, but he has a Marvel movie coming out, so I guess, I guess he's made it, right? Uh, well, it's not. I mean, I think it's it's not out yet, right? Yeah. He's, he's in the process of making it, um, but I think like you mean if you're like into indie film, like started with Short Term 12, um, mm-hmm. then did The Glass Castle, um, now is just doing uh, Just Mercy, and worked with Brie Larson all, all along the way. Um, and so, uh, and then just got signed to Shang-Chi, which is really <laughs> exciting. Um, and so uh, Just Mercy, yeah, is the story takes place in Alabama about Brian um, and some of his 
very early cases in life. And in particular, one um, focuses on one case, Walter McMillan, played by Jamie Foxx, but covers also a, lot, a couple of other cases as well um, in his journey to free a wrongfully convicted man off of death row. I'm not giving any spoilers away. It's, <laughs> it's a true life. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's a true life um, story. Um, but I think, you know, in terms, you know, really covers from a very human level. And I think that's something that Dustin really brings to his work um, is being able to see hope and redemption um, in stories that don't look like there's a lot of hope and redemption in them um, and finding, giving space for actors and a lot of things in the post uh, premiere panel, um, you know, the actors really talked about being able to have that safe space to deal with very difficult topics Um which occur in the film and being able to have that space to breathe, act, absorb, react, um, and also learn. And I think that's something, um, you know, Dustin really brings to his work. Yeah. And it's, it's a movie that touches on a lot of issues that still exists in today's um, world where it feels like sometimes there are two justice systems reserved for depending on who you are and what the color of yeah, your skin. Yeah, it takes place in the yeah. late 80s, 80s, early 90s, mm-hmm. which now feels like a period film, <laughs> which is weird because uh, I've lived through all of that time period. Um, but I think, uh, you know, what makes it relevant today is, again, a lot about the justice system has not particularly cha- uh, changed um, as Walter was profiled, um, you know, based on his race and really um, what, what we're doing from the Represent Justice Impact Campaign side is being able to take a look at those themes um, and be able to give people a place to go where they're like, hey, I want to do something about it and giving something for them to do or I want to learn more because I think it's not only like I want to do something. It's like, well, let me um, dive deeper into some of these topics, but also I think elevating other people, the other Walters, the other Brian Stevenson across the country who are working on criminal justice reform, who are doing the really grassroots work because a lot of the policy and laws, whether it's about the death penalty um, or sentencing are either, you know, are state-based and not necessarily on a federal level. Um, and so being able to dive, you know, deeper into those topics and, and being able to represent justice in your community um, to see a, a more fair uh, legal system um, and breaking down some of those barriers that um, people face, whether it's like not being able to pay pay bail or um, or profiled based on um, their race or class. Yeah, and it's great that this type of movie does open the doors for those types of dialogues, mm-hmm. which um, which says a lot about not only the filmmakers but also like the people behind the film. Because one of the I was talking to some of the my my like real journalist friends who are covering the festival. You're a real journalist. You're a real journalist. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And, you know, there was there was some concern that like this would be this year's Green Book because of what happened last year at TIFF uh, with the film Green Book that eventually won the best picture. And we were all we all breathed a sigh of relief when we saw like the like not only was it a well made, you know, courtroom drama type movie um, with a lot of heart, but you know, it wasn't a movie where in the end you're saved by the white person. <laughs> you know, it's it's really about this this member of the community who stood up for what he believed in and had allies. Like Brie Larson is in the movie, mm-hmm. she, um, but she's not like she doesn't swoop in to save the mm-hmm, day. Mm-hmm. Um, there there is no one who like comes in and like helps Brian um, save um, Walter. He does it because it's the right thing to do, and he is in the right. 
And, and you see yeah. kind of all of the steps, I think, along the way um, to be able to do that. And it is difficult, really hard work. It is not a wave the wand type <laughs> of I'm just going to make one speech and it's going to like, <laughs> save the day. Right. And I think that's the thing, too, is like this film allows you to see all the different types of the processes, all the different, um, you know, turns that they're going to have to take um, in order to right or wrong um, and it's not just, you know, Walter is just an example of one of many people um, who have who've been charged this way. And so I think, you know, this is a great example of that, as you said, like being able to um, not sugarcoat it by any means. Yeah. Um, I've been hearing some Oscar buzz about this film as well. Jamie Foxx is amazing in it. Um, and yeah, um Looking for it's coming out in December. Yeah, right? so it'll be on limited release December twenty fifth, Christmas Day. So, um, if you don't feel like going to see Star Wars, you, please go see Just Mercy. <laughs> um, and then it'll be wide released on January tenth. Yeah, and definitely check it out. And were you able to catch it, Christina? I saw it. Yeah. Um, I I was just gonna say, like, just from an audience perspective, when all the actors just came out on the stage and they were like talking about the film, they were in tears. Like, I think Michael B. Jordan was, like, tearing up for mm-hmm. a little bit. And even the director, um, I'm going to butcher his name, he was tearing <laughs> up a little bit, too, when he was talking about the film. And I think for me, like, not only was the film amazing, but just seeing the cast be so, like, I kind of feel like for most of them, this might be their passion project. Like, this is the film that kind of, like, I felt like this was a film that they had a really personal attachment to. So just mm-hmm. to see that in an audience, like it made me appreciate the film a lot more just because I know that the cast and crew were equally passionate about these topics as well. And it really showed. Yeah. Like, and, and Brian was there and I was there for that very yeah. emotional panel. Yeah. Um, and I think too, like on, like when obviously um, Michael and Brie both have uh, a lot of superhero ties. And so, you know, they, they look at Brian as, as their superhero. Um, cause he does this work day in, day out. Yeah. Just seeing him on the stage, like the real life hero, I was like tearing up. Like it, it, it's an amazing story and you can definitely feel it from everyone that was involved in the film. Yeah. I mean, I caught the screening the day after the premiere, um, and it was just Destin and Brian on stage and pretty much Destin just yielded the floor to Brian to talk because he's the one that should be talking about mm-hmm. the film. And it, it really shows that he had a lot of respect for for Brian, his work and and like what like it, it makes you feel good about where what where this movie comes from and and um you know talking with you about uh, talking with Greto about you know, all the work that could be done through this film. It's I'm excited for for what's to come and um good luck with everything. I'm sure it's a lot of work. <laughs> Thanks. No, I appreciate it and really um, you know, want everybody to help to see the not only see the film, but I think again, films spark conversations. Like we're on a podcast talking about films. Uh but I think like too, like not being afraid to then have that conversation with family, friends, whatever community members you have, because you think, you know, you you have these feelings and emotions and um being able to do something about it. Um you have that possibility, whether it can be something small or something big, you don't have to be a lawyer um, to represent justice. Yeah. And it's like, um, I think there was an audience member at TIFF and you were there. So she raised her hand and she was saying like, what can I do? What can I do? (laughs) And I was like, like, that's so awesome. Like, 
you don't have to like like Gretel just said you don't have to be a lawyer to stand up for it people feel it just by watching the film and I think like even if you consider like Ava DuVernay like when they see us like it's it's a good time for people who aren't exactly directly involved um, in issues like this just to be able to help out in some way yeah I mean I was in the theater like you know Tiff like many film festivals it's a very it's a very white space you know um, and so I was watching the movie amongst a lot of white people and they're all just like you can feel them being embarrassed for their, their like, their, um, how the characters are being treated in the movie and kind of, you feel their uncomfortableness. And, um, I think that's the type of energy that, that can turn into action or at least turn into knowledge of like, this is how, this is what happens to real people. You just don't see it because it doesn't happen to you. But what I appreciated was that they didn't really villainize the white characters in the mm-hmm. movie as well. I saw the human side of them and you can see their own personal dilemma um, being involved in it. So I thought that Just Mercy did like, you know how it's really easy to villainize one group of people in a film, right? Because it's a movie. But I just thought Just Mercy did an amazing job as well of like not really like, you know, it's wrong, but you're not exactly hating them either at the same time. And, yeah. you know, and Brian always says, like, you aren't the worst thing that you've ever done. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's not, you know, people do have the, the potential to change. And I think you do. You see journeys, um, you know, from a, a lot of different perspectives in the film. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to, I guess, also a movie about class is mm-hmm. um, the new Armando Nucci film, uh, The Personal Memoirs of David Copperfield. Uh, which we all saw, right? Mm-hmm. I guess to set it up, uh, it's basically a retelling of the Charles Dickens classic, semi-autobiographical, um, I guess, epic, mm-hmm. David Copperfield, but with featuring colorblind casting. So mm-hmm. um, starring Def Patel as David Copperfield, Tilton Swinton as, I don't know the other characters, but it starts Tilton Swinton, um, Hugh Laurie, um, Michael Capaldi, but also Benedict Wong. And it's like classic Dickensian fiction, but... Hamiltonized, right? <laughs> well, what were your thoughts? It was about the this perfect. <laughs> it was the first time I saw it, Tiff, and I was like, "This is what a film festival is about." <laughs> um, which is, it's a lot of fun. I think too, when you think of Dickens, you, and obviously uh, David Copperfield, there's a lot of drama. Like it was really fun, um, joyful at times, tragic at times, but in a way that really, again, it's all about the humanness of all the different <laughs> characters um, and the fact that they were all really, you know. Each character got a moment to shine, which was like really just sparkly, I felt like, um, on the screen. And then uh, that's also Ar- Armando, who also has a a way of, of making people in a slightly twisted way um, be able to kind of shine in that perspective. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, she just said it like that was my first film at my first TIFF. And it definitely felt like one of those like, oh, this is a festival. Like it was, it was right. like very, it was like very merry. Like, <laughs> like people were like really. <laughs> were we all at the same screening? That yeah, first I one think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it was like something kind of magical about it. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I made it. I'm here. Yeah, that was my first screening of the of the night too. Yeah, and yeah. It, was, it was a lot, and you know, I went in kind of. I wasn't sure how it was going to go because you know, <laughs> no Dickens, Dickens is very a very whimsical type of author, whereas Armando is very like he's a very sharp and cutting mm-hmm. like kind of satirical guy. Um, so I wasn't sure how he. I was interested to see his take on Dickens, mm-hmm. and it was interesting that he, he kind of pulled back on the the more like kind of cynicism he usually is known for, in favor of like the optimism of like mm-hmm. the story. And um, it was for me, it was just so refreshing to see Dev Patel play like. 
not only the lead, but like this kind of broadly comedic character, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Because you don't ever see him. Yeah. You, you really don't see him or people that look like him in those roles in these movies because they're always played by, you know, you know, your, um, what's his face? Um, who's the Chris Evans? No, who's the guy? Um, Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, you're, you're Benedict Cumberbatch's <laughs> or your uh, who's the guy from Pride oh, and Prejudice? Oh, um, Colin Firth. Eddie, Colin Eddie, Firth. Yeah, Eddie oh. Ed, Eddie Rame, yeah, those, yeah, those, those, those chaps, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then just seeing like Benedict Wong playing like just this like kind of comedic drunk like banker type, you realize that not only have you never seen them in these roles, you never st- like they never get the chance to play these roles mm-hmm. on screen. Maybe on stage sometimes, but not on screen. And it's such it's such a joy to see. Like a different side of Dev Patel's character, who's usually playing like the IT guy or like the Indian guy, you know. Um, no, Dev was great, and shout out to Vulture who wrote a whole piece about his <laughs> hair as well. Um, I think you know that was just as I said, like it was really fun. You could also tell like they had fun doing it, um, and wasn't quite sure of how what the reception <laughs> would be. Um, so I'm curious to know like what the public take yeah, will be on that. I wonder because it it truly is like a colorblind casting because you have like a black woman playing the mother of a white man mm-hmm. you have uh benedict wong playing the father of a black woman it's like it's very like like for me at least i very like i picked up on it like almost immediately and i was just in it i don't know how the general public is gonna feel there was definitely i mean you, you were there there was a question at the q a where someone was asking him about like you know why did you do that or why did you why did you cast a diverse cast? And then I, I just remember Hugh Laurie saying, Why would you ask that question? I know. It's like tense. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yikes. Yeah. But I do feel like that was also a very interesting situation where um a lot of context was also revealed for how he felt about like reading the book and wanting to do this in a way he's like, this is a film. Um and how he wanted to like really portray all the characters, um, which I also thought was like really helpful. Um, but only added to the experience. Yeah. It was interesting because, like, you know, this colorblind casting, it's, um, I, I mean, shame on me, but I kind of caught myself, like, being a little bit confused about who the characters were and how they were related to each other because they were different ethnicities. Mm-hmm. And so, like, for me, this is the first movie that I saw that has colorblind casting and so for me it was like a different experience just to be like oh well just because she's black it doesn't mean that she's the mother of the black guy in the film <laughs> um so it was really interesting and, and like i i can't i can imagine that more films would be will be played like this and i wonder like this was the first film i've seen that did this type of casting where you know even like the relations weren't necessarily the same ethnicity um i can't really think of any other film that I mean, yeah, it's obviously it's yeah. used in theaters a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, really, I th- I can't also think of anything, but on film, that I'm does not. for it. And if we can make other like period English pieces more colorful, I'm all for that as well. Like, let's make a multicultural Pride and Prejudice, or like I think it goes back to like the the idea of, like who can play what parts, right? And I think Armando also touched a little bit on this, which is like if there isn't a like a specific reason why a character has to be a certain race, then they don't have to be that mm-hmm. race and anyone can play them. And if we really want to get the best actors, let's get the best actors to play them. Right. Um, whereas like, it's different when it's, you know, this character's Asian, but we're going to cast like a white person to play it. Right. It's there, there, 
on the surface level, it might not seem that different, but there is like tons of just like of of nuance and historic difference, like systematic differences. Yeah, that, like, but it's, it's that, also right? it wasn't just like one role that they did that in; it was all of the roles. Yeah. I think that's also the ensemble effect of that. I think where obviously it plays really well in a theater space, um, in my opinion. But <laughs> I think like having that translate onto film, like I, it'll be interesting to see if that if that affects it going forward. Yeah, um, but. I think consensus here, we all had a lot of fun. Yes. It was a delightful movie. It really was. <laughs> um, yeah. So, again, also go watch it. Just, we're recommending every movie right now that we've <laughs> yeah. watched. Yeah. Um, people should watch more stuff, you know, in yep. general. Um, and I guess to wrap up the podcast, um, what else did you two watch at the film festival? That you, I know, um, Christina, were you able to get into the Mr. Rogers film? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I remember I saw you in the rush line. And then yeah, like, no, I oh, that. I also saw Knives Out and mm. Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood and Knives Out. Like, I I wanted to watch that at TIFF. I had the opportunity to, but I was like, I, this is a film I need to watch with my friends mm. so uh-huh. we can all experience it at the same time because it's it's I've heard a lot of great things about it. It's like like a whodunit kind of like mystery caper and your first time is your first time watching the film so I need, I need to be around people that I can talk about it with right away yeah that movie literally like kept me on the edge of my seat but like in a very good way and it's something that you have to watch with a bunch of people and just kind of like dissect it and talk about it it's so it's so unpredictable mm-hmm. and um, that's something I definitely recommend Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood um, it was good it was good, <laughs> but I think by the time, like, it was, like, the last movie that I saw at TIFF. I think by the time I saw it, I was a little bit, like, teared out. And mm. so um, it didn't, like, uh, I think I was just watching. I felt like it could have gone a little bit deeper, um, but it was an overall good movie to watch. Yeah. Mr. Rogers. Yeah. My other thing is, uh, mine was Dolomite, uh, which is the new Eddie Murphy film, which oh. just came out on Netflix, which I actually highly recommend, <laughs> especially if you're, like, L.A. and in the industry. It's a bit of an inside look um, uh, on some really great um, films um, and how they got made. And so, but sorry, Nanny Murphy. So I, I saw it. it. Yeah. Also, oh, I saw that too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, UCLA film school students were in that movie and they actually are – they are in like the, the movie. Real, the, the real characters. I heard. They're actually yes. cat. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah, actually yeah, yeah. in the movie. Yeah. So, so represent UCLA. Yeah. And, and our representation, I don't know if you both noticed it, because I definitely did. There's like one Asian actress in the entire movie. She's the sound <laughs> person. I saw her. <laughs> and I was like. She's one of us. I immediately went out to IMDb trying to search who is this woman. And she's not listed. So my theory is she's the actual sound person from the set <laughs> that they just got her to, to sit in but um as a sound person myself i, I felt a kinship between <laughs> between me and her um but yeah that's that was a really funny movie i definitely like, i've been recommending it to a lot of my friends to definitely go watch it when it comes out on netflix totally. i've heard it being described as and i would agree it's basically an optimistic disaster artist right it's not like you're not making fun of this guy for like kind of scrapping together this like ostensibly like, like shitty movie but it's championing the, the real life Rudy Ray Moore's ability to hustle harder than anyone mm-hmm, else and mm-hmm. get this movie made despite the odds and like kind of proving that there is an audience mm-hmm. for this type of thing and also like yeah. I mean Gretel just said like if you're LA and you're in the entertainment <laughs> industry it's like one of those things where you're like oh this is like he's definitely one of those people like who's doing it just like us like who did it <laughs> just like us like we try every day and I think 
not only was it about you know like hustling and trying really hard but it was like so community based like you can feel the love from the community um, that really supported (laughs) him in his career because he's like making it's like he's it's like a Tyler Perry you know it's like you're making a movie for your people and and they're supporting it and I just thought that was really great as well yeah and uh, I can't wait for all the memes of Wesley Snipes' reactions (laughs) to come out because um who knew that he had such comedic chops? I bet people knew because he, he used to do comedies. So I didn't. And I was very, very impressed. Let's move on to the movie that's coming out or just came out this 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 weekend, which is Jojo Rabbit, um, which Christina and I saw um, that Gretel has not seen yet. So. I tried. I really <laughs> tried. Kevin, we really shout out to you for sorry for making being late and not getting into the screening. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. Okay. I mean, we're not going to go into spoilers. Like everyone already knows, it's it's the Hitler movie. We're Taika Waititi, director of a lot of really great films, but probably best known for Thor Ragnarok. But for me, best known for what they do in the shadows, mm-hmm. directs and plays fake Hitler. He's like a Maori um, Jewish man uh, from New Zealand. Um, what were your thoughts, Christina? Because like I, I have thoughts as well. Okay, yeah. I no, like I I loved it. I can. I was a little bit like, you know, when it's like People's Choice Award at TIFF, you know, I'm kind of <laughs> like, well, you know, and then like my little like critic glasses come up. Right. But then I saw it and I was like, this is it. Like, this is amazing. And I think it's telling the story from a child's point of view, which is, you know, a little bit rare because it's themes like war and it's themes like hatred. And just to see this like devastating historical event but told from a child's point of view who doesn't know any better he just is mimicking the things that he sees the adults do it was like it kind of hits you in a different way and so the feels are like a lot yeah yeah it's it's like parasite it's a movie that kind of sticks with you long after um especially since yeah it's it's a very you realize that these are things that we should be talking about like how a whole country and children can be indoctrinated into thinking and believing hateful stuff. And you realize that the best, probably the best vector for this type of storytelling were the Nazis, but we don't talk about it because like it's taboo for, for good reasons too. It's because it was a horrible point in history, but you realize that if no one talks about it, then no one talks about it. Right. And it never gets talked about. And like, until it pops up again in a different form like we're seeing in today's world. Yeah, I I remember reading an article on like Hollywood Reporter and the director had said that he was inspired to make this film because he read a statistic that Americans don't remember Mm. those events anymore. And so that kind of goes to show you that we kind of just like block it out or like just like, you know, Gen Z, like we know they don't really, (laughs) I don't know what they're being taught in history anymore, but you know, it's like a, it's a reminder of like, you know, our history, but also telling it in a way that's like full of love. Yeah. Cause the thing with history is like, you can learn about what happened, but it's a different thing to feel it and to have the context. And this movie is all about context. Uh, and I, I admit, I did feel the, the tension in the theater audience too. Like some of the things that we were laughing at, some of the comedy was a little uncomfortable because we were, maybe empathizing with people that we normally don't empathize with with and i mean it it does a good job of like not redeeming people that shouldn't be redeemed um but it is still like your you experience the world through this kid who like because of circumstances latches on to this authority figure he doesn't know any better yeah 
And um, I, I read a tweet from Edgar Wright, um, director of Shaun of the Dead and a lot of really great movies, um, saying that this movie has like the, the greatest like F word in PG-13 history. <laughs> and I definitely agree. Like you should watch out for that one F word. It's it's going to be great, Gretel. You'll I'm love it. I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah. Also, like the director dedicated his uh, this film to his mother. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's also sweet, too. Like, you can tell, like, there's different... Yeah, it's, like, set in the historical context of World War II, but it's also just... There's other themes involved. There's, like, love and family, and yeah. it's it's a really sweet film. And the actors are all really great. And it's the kid, um, Roman Roman Davis. Uh, he, has a, he has a middle name, but the, the kid is amazing. And um, something just about Taika's ability to get really good performance out of, like, young actors mm-hmm. is is like it's his gift maybe because he's like a big kid himself so like he knows how to do it like um but okay i'm not the biggest scarjo fan like i like her work but also she she does questionable things in real life right sometimes (laughs) um but she was really good and i was like i found myself really like enjoying her performance and i was like "Mm, okay i i guess i can tell how much he loves his mother by the way she was portrayed in the film. Yeah. Like stuff that that speaks off screen. And so I think he did an amazing job of representing different themes. Yeah. Um, so definitely catch it. Um, there's probably going to be a gajillion think pieces next week about Jojo Rabbit. So you should probably like now's the time to go See watch it. it. You can catch it in theaters and then join the discourse because there's gonna be a lot of thoughtful like critiques about the film and probably a lot of junk out there too because <laughs> of what the film is about. Um but it's definitely, I'm interested to, like, it's one of the movies, like Paris, where I'm kind of just tracking the hashtag and seeing what people say about it because I really want to, I want to know because I've been sitting on this since September, so I'm excited it's finally coming out. And again, Greta, when you've seen the film, we'd love to, would love to catch up with you about the film. We'll do. I'll let you guys know for sure. <laughs> um, I guess movies that I saw. So I saw a couple other movies with an Asian American connection. Um, one of them was Wang Wang's new film, Coming Home Again. Um, Wang Wang is a director that has a very uh, eclectic resume. He's best known in the community as director of The Gillette Club, but he's probably best known in pop culture as the director of like Made in Manhattan, right? <laughs> um, and this is more of his like his artsy side, and it's definitely a uh, festival film, meaning that you'll probably only be able to see it in festivals because um, it's very, I think. Um, the industry term is deliberately paced, which means it's it's a slow burn. But it stars Justin Chan. It's about a son um, who comes home to take care of his ailing mother and tries to cook her a New Year's meal by himself. Um, and it's overall, it was it's definitely a film where you relate to like the struggle between like a, a son and his mother, a son and his sister, and um, there's definitely like a lot of probably Korean nuance packed in there as well. Um, um, it's based on an autobiographical essay by Chang Ray Lee, who is, a, I guess, a prolific Korean-American author. He's the, the author of um, Native Speaker, which is like taught in all Asian-American literature classes. It's hard to give it a full-on recommendation to everyone because it's definitely a film that if you're into that like kind of festival type of art film, you'll enjoy. But if you're looking for like a fun like popcorn romp, it's probably not your thing. But it's definitely a movie that you're happy you saw it because it's it's another piece of, of canon. Um, but it's definitely um, it's definitely a slow movie um, and not for everybody. Oh, the other movie I saw was American Woman, 
um, which stars Hong Chao, uh, based on um, a book by, I believe her name is Susan Choi, um, which is a fictional account based on the real life Patty Hearst um, kidnapping. Um, so Hong Chao plays like this revolutionary in the 60s who is basically her job is to be the caretaker of people who are laying low. So it's like she she runs she runs a safe house pretty much. Um and so basically she's put in charge of this group of leftist revolutionaries who have kidnapped and indoctrinated a heiress. Um and it's about their like their revenue law. And it premiered at the festival at like after we all left. Um, but I was able to catch a, a press screening. Um, the the day I got, like right before actually um, David Copperfield, I was able to catch a press screening. Um, and I thought like, one thing that I came out with it was like, Hong Chao needs to be in a lot more things because she is amazing. Um, have any of you guys seen Driveways yet? Uh, which is the new Andrew On film. No, but I've heard it. They're, yeah. they're, they're talking about it. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, um, it's, it's playing at San Diego Asian actually in, in a couple of weeks. So you guys should, Check it out if you have time. But she's just like everything I've seen her in, um, American Woman, Driveways, and even Downsizing, which she was probably one of the best parts of that movie. Um, she just needs to be in more stuff. And, and that is, uh, that is my, my takeaway and my, my reflection on that film. Is American Woman coming out at theaters anytime soon? I don't think it's come out yet. It world premiered at Tribeca back in April when it played again at TIFF. So um, when it comes out, you should definitely check it out. Um, I think it's, um, it's a really interesting like it's it's a really fun film, mm-hmm. and it's a really great like just performance by Hong. Great, it's amazing. Looking forward to it. Same. <laughs> um, and I guess on that note, that'll do for this episode of the Collabcast. Uh, Gretel, Christina, thank you so much for joining me and talking about TIFF. It's great to see you both. Thank you. Um, thank you for having me. Yeah, and uh, I guess. If people want to follow um, stuff that you're working on, I know Greta, Just Mercy, again, is coming out um, December 25th and going wide in January. Yep. And you um, can follow the campaign. Um, we'll have some really cool content that I can't really uh, talk about quite yet. But if you <laughs> want to see it, um, you can go to uh, and sign up when you when all that stuff goes live. You can go to uh, representjustice.org or you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at WeRepJustice. Um, and if you want to follow me, you can follow me on Instagram um, and Twitter at Gretel Trung, G-R-E-T-E-L-T-R-U-O-N-G. And Christina, um, where can people learn more about the, the UCLA Film Festival and also your other work? Yeah, so I mean, Melnitz Movies is the organization that I'm a programmer for. And so we have um, free screenings almost every Tuesday and Thursday at UCLA James Bridges Theater. So you can catch all of these TIFF movies coming out soon at UCLA for free. Um, also, we are in charge of the UCLA Film Festival coming up in March. And it's going to be a great program of um, old and new Asian American centered pieces. So please look out for that. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, um, Twitter, website, <laughs> all, all of those media outlets at GSA Melness Movies. Awesome. Yeah. And for the Collabcast, my name is Marvin Yue. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, the Collabcast, of course, is a production of Collaboration, a nonprofit organization supporting Asian Americans in arts and entertainment, discovering, elevating, showcasing, and connecting the creative talents of the Asian American community. Uh, you can learn more about our programs by going to the website, www.collaboration.org. Um, thanks also to Visual Communications. Um, this podcast was recorded at the Potluck Studios at Visual Communications in Little Tokyo, Los Angeles. Learn more about the amazing things they do, including 
hosting the Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival by checking them out at dcmedia.org. Special thanks to collaboration Atlanta artist Uzuhan for use of his track Uzuhan for this episode's intro and outro. Um, yeah, thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye, everyone. Yeah.